Welcome to the Monday Lorians, a podcast where a bunch of Star Wars fans get together for a chat every Monday, discussing the latest episode of The Mandalorian Season 2. And today we'll be looking at Chapter 12, The Siege. My name is Niall. I'm a writer for Fresh Take Hub, among other things. And that's right, the dead speak. I'm back after my first absence on the show so far. And today I'm joined today by David, who I've not spoken to since the pilot. David, how are you? I'm good. It almost sounds like I'm a Star Wars character, like the pilot. <laughs> <laughs> you could be the next episode. Uh, but yeah, it's good to be back with, with you now. Like It was good uh, good being on with Jake last week as well. And uh, yeah, an exciting episode to talk about, I think, this week. Very exciting, yeah. Yeah, that, that distracted me. This is, I think, the first time I've been on without Jake at all. Yeah, exactly. It's uh... my, my comfort blanket. <laughs> yeah, that's what was interesting about last week. It was, uh, you know, we're... It was just like a normal recording session for us where we've recorded stuff before. But then there was so much throwback. So we were like, I wonder if Niall would have appreciated this because, you know, you still had a lot of frog lady in that, that last episode. So, we, you know, we, we kept just sort of referring to how you would have reacted to uh, certain frog frog family goodness. <laughs> I, I will say the way they wrapped it up was nice. And it pains me to say it. It was <laughs> nice. So biting my tongue. <laughs> so I'll just give a quick warning to any listeners that this being a recap show, we're pretty much going to be talking about spoilers almost from the get-go. We're going to be light speed skipping all over the plot at times. Obviously, we're going to get into it in a linear way. So if you haven't seen the episode, please catch up. And if you don't watch The Mandalorian, but listen to us, please tweet at us. I would love to know what the heck's going on. <laughs> how much you like hearing us talk about a show you've not seen. It's very interesting. <laughs> Be, that would that would be fascinating to be fair what are your overall thoughts on the siege dave yeah i i really loved this episode i think that it it really did capture what i always say that i want from the mandalorian which is i'm fine with these like weekly adventures but as long as they've got a purpose and they add to the overall story and this was a perfect example of that you know it's the whole like oh i need to go for repairs i need to go to this planet and, you know, once he gets down there, then you've got, you know, Grief Cargo. We need your help with something. And it's kind of at that point where you're like, oh, you're on that line now. Is this going to be chapter five of season one territory in which it's a complete misstep kind of thing? We learn later on. And as we will talk about, I'm sure there was a lot of relevancy in what they would do into the overall plot, which I thought was really, really good. So, and uh, yeah, I think obviously you'll agree as well. Carl Weathers does a great job directing. Yeah, I thought this was just pure Star Wars fun really great for the story again my only gripe with the series i still would like a bit more time on the episodes i think but apart from that fantastic really really fun yeah i agree with i think everything you said there i loved this episode which is which i which kind of surprised me because i don't want to be too negative but the last two episodes i was a little checked out there was a lot of good stuff in the last episode don't get me wrong but i had so many like script problems with it 
Because I think so far the direction's actually been really strong in all the episodes, but the last two, there's so many little script things. And I know poor John Favreau is, I think, writing all of these. It's like, please, let someone do a second check on some of them. But yeah. holy cow, I, this episode had everything for me. It's like, uh, like it even challenged certain characters I didn't quite like and made me like them. Yeah, that's the same for me. And it's also, inter- it's also I was going to say it's interesting the I think you said chapter 10 was like maybe your least favorite of the entire series or like, so then... Oh, the spiders. Have, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then to have like your return back to the podcast be like one of your favorites. I yeah. It's, it's interesting as well, isn't it? So you've had like potentially your least and one of your favorites in like the same, like it's two, been three It's episodes. been a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. Actually, actually, yeah. Before we jump into the plot, I want to throw this in. I've got a, I've got a bone to pick with Disney+. Plus. Okay. We gotta get a skip recap option. Oh yeah. I hate like I don't watch recaps normally because I can remember a week ago, but you know sometimes it, it lets you know what's gonna be in an episode by what it shows. Like you know, yeah, yeah. let me have these little surprises, Disney. But yeah, let's. Uh, apart from our gripes with a streaming yeah. service, <laughs> let's get on to taking uh, on the, the big boys today. <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll get on to the details of uh, the episode. Uh, going through our thoughts as as we watch through it. So, uh, like I said, you know, this uh, episode is called The Siege. Uh, we start off with uh, the Mandalorian and the child, uh, both on board the Razor Crest after they had their ship fixed <laughs> by uh, the Mont Calamari. And, uh, yeah, we get this hilarious scene with, uh, with Mando and the baby in, inside, you know, becoming a little mechanic in, inside the ship uh what did you think of this it was like when mando was kind of like turning his head i was like is he talking to the computer or is this yeah. gonna be baby yoda and once it happened i was like i i just loved it. <laughs> it it's one of those things and this maybe this will get me in trouble but something i like about our protagonist is he's kind of dumb like he's like <laughs> yeah. maybe a baby can fix a, like a computer <laughs> It's like, get, you know, of course the baby was going to get electrocuted, which I love saying is something on Disney Plus. <laughs> like, it was very funny. It was very much like, um, was it Guardians of the Galaxy 2? It's like t- trying to teach baby Groot how to I fuse a bomb. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I had very much baby Groot vibes from that scene. Um, I think it was testament to Pedro Pascal again, though. I said last time I love, like, again whether i i don't know how much he you know it's hard to say how much he is physically in the role you know but um i think from what we've seen with interviews and stuff he is more largely in the suit and stuff now but even if he isn't you know like the the voice work he did in that moment you know just the whole like it was just brilliant he's just got that like that great you know parental the Mm. way he's describing it breaking it down he's like do this and like it's matching perfectly with like the way that he was gesturing whereas like i think in the previous seasons sometimes it didn't quite marry up it's kind of like that yeah that new hope kind of you know darth vader didn't know was exactly match what you know the voiceover was was doing kind of thing because they're two different performers speaking of uh speaking of pedro in the suit were you also pausing when he was drinking that cup because i was trying to work out if that was his chin Oh, that's true. I didn't think of that. I wasn't pausing, but I did find it funny how um, I think what did I I put it as lift and sip. That's yeah, a, that that is a method. Lift and sip of just you know 
<laughs> that that was a moment of me realizing I might be a maniac. Is I was staring <laughs> at a chin for so long. I was like, I'm sure there's exciting sci-fi action later in the episode, but I gotta know whose chin is that. <laughs> I do wonder is this like a sneaky setup? Like in the final episode of the season, will he have to defuse a bomb? Mm. That could be really funny, but we might be it too close make... to Guardians, man. Well, it did make me think as well. Imagine how funny it would be if it just he didn't go down the Jedi path and just become a mechanic. Like, I'd, I'd be so just... happy for him. I think. Power to him. Yeah. He's 50 <laughs> years old. He needs to think about getting a job. <laughs> yeah. You have to get a good career <laughs> with a good pension. But speaking of action, uh, we actually then cut from this to an action scene, um, which is uh, showing uh, Navarro... Uh, we get another, you know, throwback to a classic Star Wars species. I think it's like um, the Aqualish, is it? That's what I have written down. That was just from my head. I was curious if I got that right. Yeah, no, I, in my head, that's why I had nice sort of search. And I was like, yeah, it is. And uh, yeah, so many people will know them as the sort of like, uh, you know, you got a problem guy from uh, A New Hope. Um, and Rogue One. You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, or again, if you follow Robot Chicken, he just liked Luke's haircut. <laughs> you know, we get a bunch of these inside, like, the abandoned base of the Mandalorians. Uh, you kind of see, like, an outline of where their symbol was, which I thought was a nice detail. And and you get this really cute little weasel ferret thing, which immediately, as soon as I saw, and I was like, they're going to try and eat that thing, and I really hope they don't eat that thing. Yeah, can I can I come out as a massive hypocrite right now on the show? Okay. Because <laughs> the last two weeks, I have been making fun of people who are angry about Baby Yoda eating those eggs. Right. But yeah. if the, if those monsters ate that ferret, I was going to be <laughs> done with Star Wars. I love that ferret. You would have said dank ferret. That's it. That <laughs> 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 seriously, like that thing. I don't know what it is. I think I love that it is kind of literally a real animal in Star Wars. Yeah, I was thinking that. I was like, is this a puppet or not? Because it looked great. Yeah. I love the look it, of it. Yeah, it's if they sold those at Galaxy's Edge, mm. I would buy one. It also reminded me, and I'm gonna bring them up again, the the Ewok TV specials. Okay. In the first of that, uh Wicket and his family just have chickens and horses around. Just <laughs> real chickens and horses. Because they were cutting the budget where they could. And it's pretty hysterical to see. Yeah. But yet they still had the, the blues yeah. in, in that as well. So, And also what I loved in this as well, we get Cara Dune introduced as the Marshal. Mm. And I loved, again, this is this Western aspect, isn't it, of the Aqualish thugs, whatever we want to call them. So when it's the Marshal and like it made me think of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood you know how mm. Leonardo DiCaprio's like bounty law. Yeah. It was just like it made me think of that as like Cara Dune having her own spin-off, like The Marshal, and it's like this Western like song of her like <laughs> going through town, kind of arresting people on a weekly basis. Again, we need uh, Star Wars, although I will say as a criticism, needs to cool it with like the species profiling. It's like I'm sure not all Aqualish are terrible, not all Quarren are terrible, but they yeah. like to paint it that way. I actually thought this exact same thing, and we'll get onto it later, but the, like, secret villain of the episode, I'll call them, or something like that. I was like, why is it always an alien? Why can't, like, a human be, like, you know, the traitor? You know, what, what's what's going on here? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, what what did you think of uh, Kara's, like, the, the scene of, like, the action? I thought it was really well done, because that was an early glimpse of, like, wow, this is really well choreographed. It's actually, like, some great, you know, set pieces going on here, the way she was like using the bodies and, you know, blasting them, etc. That moves, especially when she rolls 
and like grabs a body and backs into them using as a shield. Yeah, like it's really well done. I may have a slight problem where I think something like that in Star Wars when a character who's like not a Jedi is doing it, it might be over the top, but I really enjoyed it in the moment. Because imagine seeing that in the original trilogy, like that would be so <laughs> jarring compared to like some of the jankiness of the fight scenes. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of what we've had from like a lot of other series. And again, like Marvel and stuff, you can kind of buy into this crazy acrobatic kind of stuff. Yeah. But, but yeah, again, I thought it worked for the moment. Um. So yeah, we, we get the idea then that, you know, Kara Dune is now the marshal of this town in uh, on Navarro. There's no way we're making it to Corvus in this shape. We cut to like the opening title. Um, we've already established as well before this that uh, Mando has mentioned to the child that, you know, they need repairs. So, you know, he actually says to him as well, how do you, how do you fancy going to Navarro, you know, to like mm. visit some old friends? Um, and then it's at that point we sort of see Mando landing on the planet uh, again with his very, you know, uh, clunky ship, which like, the, you know, the docking bay doesn't even like come down fully. And, uh, you know, we get that shot of, uh, grief Karga and Cara Dune sort of greeting him all now like brightly dressed because mm, you know Navarro is thriving <laughs> uh what what was your experience like seeing you know officially seeing grief you know back at it you know at the start of this episode uh well as always I'm just delighted to see Carl Weathers who I have yeah. I've loved seeing in film and tv I can't remember when I didn't know who he was you know getting yeah. into Rocky quite young and he's just, he just like nails always these lines. Uh, has Mando been taking good care of you, huh? Have you been taking good care of him? Yeah. Because it was yeah. great to catch up with him, to see like all the changes to the planet we spent most of season one on. It was yeah. quite endearing. I was very proud of him. No, it makes sense because I was thinking, and again, we're, they've driven the Empire more out of the planet and they've got as he said in in the recap and in the previous season the scum and villainy is gone so again has he changed his role has he changed you know what what he does or how he operates but, but yeah i like as well that like you said if if he returned as in like hey mando i'm i'm still doing bounty hunter stuff and i got another job for you it wouldn't be quite as interesting but because we're seeing him progress as a character and because he's going to the same planet and if he's in charge of that planet well of course you're going to see him again so and it, it, it adds to the team part of the that i think we'll talk about that later when you get the team aspect of it but you know it, it works in that context as well yeah i do like that this show started off and everyone was an outlaw and everyone like all the characters we had in season one have all become much better people you know they all yeah. like care about things outside of themselves the show has become like han solo's character arc developed mm. over a show which i think is really clever i was cracking uh, up when we got to the school because i think in the first episode me and jake had a bit about moss pelgo academy <laughs> the, the mentioned but never seen school and this is the rival school in my head canon now yeah i just like how schools are like the be all and end all of somewhere being like a decent place they're yeah. like you know like oh oh you really turned this place around oh wait till you see what we're going in here it's a school like oh wow you know i was just gonna say i love the detail of the statue in the street did you see this no i didn't see that oh actually. when they're going into schoolhouse in the background they built a statue of ig11 from season one oh really yeah. oh that's great it's so I, I was kind of looking at like all the alien species in the background i think i was kind of distracted by that because you know sometimes you're like which which costumes have they repurposed in the background 
Oh, I will say this is where I have like one of my very few nitpicks about the episode. Uh, in fact, I'm even just jumping back a sec because uh, Grief Karga asked two two engineers to fix Mando's ship, and they do yeah. that thing of focusing on the one who's obviously gonna put a tracking beacon on. Exactly, and that was my issue. Is like, and he's the alien, so I was just like, if they were two, if they were two humans, you might have not suspected it as much. But the fact that they like focus on him, and I'm like, why does it have to be the alien? You know, like it's it's always the same. The very evil looking one, I have to say. Yeah, and then when he spoke as well, you were like, oh, that's an evil voice. <laughs> um, so yeah, justice for aliens not being bad guys all the time. You know, at least at least the Jedi had that going for them. You know, there's so many aliens in there. Equal opportunity employer. Yeah. Then we get like a nice little scene of a uh, baby Yoda being a jerk and stealing Oreos. <laughs> yeah. I was like, they're like Oreos meet, uh, what are they called? Like macaroons? Like, oh, yeah. like those as well. Like blue. It always has to be blue as well. As oh, yeah. Like an, you know, Star Wars alien food. Um, I just also thought it was a bit like, why did that kid get the cookies? Why was it just that one boy? Like, I was like, I'm able to eat in class, but nobody else was. <laughs> yeah, like, that kid was a jerk, too. I'm glad he got what was coming to him. Baby Yoda gets what he wants. He, uh, he uses the Force, actually, for the first time, I think, this this season to uh, to get him some cookies. Because, uh, he, you know, he's not happy that that guy isn't sharing the cookies around. So they use the school. Like, Grief says, you know, we'll leave Baby Yoda here because where we're going, we don't want... Uh, the child around which again i think is like a funny but convenient way of like you know getting rid of uh rid of the child which will be interesting to see if how long they can keep this up in in the series of like where to where to dump baby yoda <laughs> um but yeah and then that school was quite interesting we hear the protocol droid is talking about you know like the different hyperspace lanes and that kind of stuff and mando even says you know i you know i don't go anywhere without the child he doesn't go out of my sight but you know Kara and Grief kind of both assure him, like, he'll be he'll be safe here. It's like last episode, he left him with frog people. What is he talking about? <laughs> yeah. So from here, then, we get uh, Grief and Kara Dune talk to Mando about how they want him to help them in a mission to get rid of the Imperial base, where a lot of the troops that were helping Moff Gideon previously seem to be coming from. So they want to go there to sort of deactivate the lava cooling system um, so that the lava will naturally flow and destroy the base. They say they need Mando here to, to help them with that mission. I was just going to say, and we're introduced, reintroduced to Mithril from the very first scene of The Mandalorian Season 1. Yeah. So what did you, what did you think of him coming back? Like I said, we had kind of got little glimpses of him in the trailer and I was a bit like, I was... Like you said before, with Grief Karga, you don't want it to be this like kind of hokey kind of like, oh, you know, how fun is this that this character's returning? I thought they did bring him back in a natural way. And I liked that it was actually Grief's bounty that was the one that was placed on him in the last season. Because I did think, how would you bring him back when he had like a bounty on him from some randomer? But that's the great way of doing it. Again, like you said, you know, you had problems with other scripts because of the holes. Well, this didn't have those holes because they filled it in really well by doing that. Um, so I thought that was really good. And, and Grief says that he's paying back his debt by being his sort of secretary again. Uh, I remember back when the first episode came out the, with Mithril in. And mm. I, I was, you know, I was watching it. I was like, ooh, there was something about him where I was like, I hope this guy doesn't stick around because I was worried he was going to become the sidekick. And something yeah. about him was rubbing me the wrong way. He felt a bit, and I think he is like an, maybe an SNL comedian. 
but it felt mm. a bit like one of those like oh i'm in a star wars sketch yeah but uh i was surprised i really liked him this episode i think having had so many episodes about like oh badasses like and in the last episode all of our characters were pretty much bulletproof which is a big problem i had with that and i liked having a, a cowardly schlub around and this thing about it's, the design of him, that reminds me way more of a Star Trek alien for some reason. And, yeah. I, and I, I was cool with it. I actually really liked his inclusion. Yeah, I was always thrown by his design because I always felt it looked a bit too like a, a Star Trek mm. or like ge- generic sci-fi kind of design. Yeah, I kind of felt that he worked kind of like what Jar Jar Binks was meant to be. It's mm. kind of just the comic relief. So if you're going to have this gang of characters, you know, so again, like in Rogue One, they've got the team and kind of K2SO is that kind of like funny droid character. So it's almost as if he's filling the role of maybe like IG-11 in a way. So I thought it worked for that sense as well. There's a there's a, a point later on where he does some really great physical comedy as well. Yeah, because, you know, they, they bring him, they kind of force him along on it, but he's not useless. Like he is actually contributing like he's uh, slicing doors, yeah. And uh, oh, that line cracks me up when he's a, uh, well, they call it like a flange cutter or something. Yeah, which I, know, I, thought, I that sounds that. disgusting, but I don't mind. But he says yeah. like, oh, it's it's made for light plumbing. I was like, plumbing yeah. in Star Wars. I'd never thought about plumbing, which is so <laughs> weird. It's also the relationship between him and Grief as well, isn't mm. it? You get that great banter where he's like, you do this. You know, I love yeah. how sassy he is throughout the episode. He's like, hey, who's boss here? Who's boss? You know, he's just constantly like berating him. And he's just like, it's, it's a great dynamic between them two as well. I think Carl Weathers really understood that dynamic and that relationship in directing this, especially. We're kind of coming into the main bulk of the episode. But I just wanted to ask you, because this struck me on the second watch. And I felt like I'd cons- like I'd uncovered some amazing conspiracy, even though it definitely isn't. Mm. But the rest of this episode is kind of a remake of A New Hope. I'll quickly go through my bullet points of my conspiracy. Because there's, yeah, oh, okay. deactivating the tractor yes. beam, mm. TIE fighter escape with gun turrets, ah, yeah. Mando flying in like Han Solo at the end of the movie, and also ah. the tractor, uh, not tractor, sorry, the-, the homing beacon put on his ship. Mm. All these things were coming together, and I felt like I was losing my mind. But I was just very excited during the episode. <laughs> I'm, I'm not complaining, yeah. by the way. I think this is all, like, cleverly done. Yeah, it's a good aspect that they can sometimes do. It's kind of like, again, in, like, previous episodes, isn't it? It's like with, say, that chapter four from last season, you know, like, you know, they're, they're just doing seven samurai, mm. but they're doing it in a way which is a bit different, so you can excuse it kind of thing. So, like, here, again, it's like doing it in a way that it isn't blatantly obvious. Yeah, re- remixing, not rehashing. So, yeah, we get uh, uh, Mithril sort of deactivates the, the cooling system. Um, and then uh, they come across a chamber filled with different vats. I thought you said this was a forward operating base. I thought it was. No, this isn't a military operation. This is a lab. Uh, they come into like this uh, laboratory type room. Uh, we get a bunch of not quite Imperials, just some sort of like working joe workers just in some bland uniforms like destroy everything and i love the guy who looked like he was almost on like a nintendo switch just like <laughs> pressing buttons just like relentlessly format like, memory card yeah don't let him see how many hours i've spent on super smash brothers please go yeah <laughs> they're just clicking and pulling levers um and then mando and the team come in there's like a bit of a, a shootout goes on and uh you know obviously they're trying to protect something there's some sort of information here 
And uh, yeah, I think it's at this moment that we really sort of get into what I was talking about earlier in my overall thoughts is that there's this real hook to the episode, which makes it make more sense to the overall story. So we see that there's some sort of sinister vats. They've got some sort of like bodies in them. And uh, we then later see that Dr. Pershing, uh, who was the doctor character from season one, again, who was experimenting on the child, uh, he comes up as a hologram. So so what did you think when we first entered this laboratory and this, you know, this entire situation? Yeah, my brain was kind of working overdrive at that point because I know... <laughs> Because you know, you're stuck in your new hope conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how does this fit? How does this fit? <laughs> but no, it, it was just a case where you know, since uh, I think the very first few episodes of the show, people have been speculating like, oh, why do they? What are they doing with Baby Yoda? Why did the Empire want him? And to have all the characters kind of go into a room and incidentally, we f- pretty much find out, like it was, a, you know, a big reveal done in what was like shaping up to be like a casual episode almost. A very fun, yeah. casual episode. And this really brought me... Like, I was always on board with the show. That sounds bad. But I mean, now it's like, oh, finally, at this point, we kind of know what the villains want. And it's given yeah. me a second burst of energy. It was like, man, I can't wait to see where this goes. Because, of course, it looks like there's a lot of stuff in the, the newer trilogy this could tie into, which I'm very, I'm really curious about. Yeah, because that's always been my issue with the kind of adventure of the week. Like, I'm on board with that. Like, of course, like, you know, Clone Wars, they did, you know, it's different stories or different, at least, arcs every few weeks or every episode. But you always had the separatists of the villains, Dooku or Grievous, you know, Ventress, you know, those Mm. are your players. So I think the problem the Mandalorian has had up until now is that you didn't have that aspect of, like, there was an overall villain, there was an overall sort of sinister plot you know, in season one, it was kind of just like a few strange bounty hunters were after the child every now and again. So to keep going back to Moff Gideon like this is really effective, I think, mm. because like you said, it gives you that that trajectory. And yeah, it's, I think, really interesting that we're getting this kind of... So I, I almost think of it as... We've obviously been told that like this era is particularly fascinating because it's between mm. Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. And they've said previously, oh, you know, you're going to see how the galaxy is in that transition of power and how, you know, the Empire becomes the First Order. But yeah, I think I'm surprised how much we're already yeah. seeing it. And I'm surprised that here we, again, we, you know, it's, it's almost teased in the music we get like the emperor's theme is almost play almost kind of playing in the background is kind of like the same sort of sound that kind of choral sinister yeah. you know music. I, I have seen people online because i know they're, they're quite similar um the kind of Darth plagueis theme from episode three and snoke's theme from the new films they said it sounded very like that and you know there's already people like getting the hd screen grabs and you know doing the conspiracy stuff which i i kind of love yeah exactly so it's it's funny to me that like i could almost call it like mando is retconning the rise of skywalker in some ways that they're trying to like justify what a lot of people's problems yeah. was is that like oh this cloning thing came out of nowhere so i kind of love how mandalorian is like again it's like clone wars isn't it they're yeah, like yeah. well we're gonna like tell you a lot about the war and how the war is working to like make you appreciate the prequels more mm. so it's almost as if they're doing that here as well um 
I still think I would argue that they should still have at least set up the Emperor in, you know, the, Absolutely. the entire trilogy. A hundred percent. Yeah. But I, I like the fact, though, because this is what frustrated me so much with the jump from Last Jedi to Rise of Skywalker, is they kind of mm. turned their heels in so many things. And I'm glad yeah. now they're saying, no, we made this movie and we're, like, committing to it. Because we had a similar yeah. discussion about the new holiday special. Which felt very glib yeah. in that respect, but I won't derail this to complain about <laughs> Lego like a man baby. Holy cow! Yeah. <laughs> and I also had issues, like you said, that the Force Awakens didn't sort of acknowledge the state of the galaxy. It, it you know, it didn't really give us an idea. They were just like, oh, it's still the same, you know, and it's like uh, as it was in the New Hope, and you know, it's just two different factions, which are pretty much the Rebels and the Empire kind of thing. But I think that I do like this aspect of, like, the Empire is still around. This is how they would become the for- First Order. And mm. um, with the idea of, like, they're working out of the, you know, the Outer Rim and, you know, that they, they would they would never have died out, that they would have always been there. Yeah. And now you've got this link directly to Palpatine to say, you know, Moff Gideon is potentially now the guy who was pursuing this entire cloning thing. And, you know, again, this is all theory-based and potentially, you know, major spoilers here, but, you know, the, the Doctor, Dr. Pershing... Uh, or like as i know him like the only guy who wears glasses in the entire galaxy uh, uh he says you know in his hologram uh which we later find out is addressed to moff gideon uh you know he was using baby yoda's blood uh for this project and he said that there wasn't enough blood samples that they could stretch as uh you know he, he would have killed the child if he had taken yeah. too much but they'll they'll need more going going forward so and I don't know if about you again, you, you know, you're the same as me, you know, you see lots of different theories and pages. Have has it it seems familiar to me that some sort of website might have called this years ago that there was maybe like a a Yoda blood had been used for Palpatine. I I swear I've seen that before the Rise of Skywalkers came out, somebody speculated about this. I, I, I know I've seen that quite recently, but you know, before Rise of Skywalker I was staying off the internet about Star Wars because I like to go in yeah. spoiler bubbles. Cause it seems it seems quite plausible in the way they're doing it now. If they just mm. said that randomly in Rise of Skywalker, I might have left the theater. It's like, we used Yoda's blood. It's like, get, exactly. stop this. <laughs> I, I prefer like no explanation to that in the movie. Yeah. But I mean, you know, again, I'm really excited. They're at least committing to the nonsense, which means a lot yeah. to me. I highly doubt we'll find a donor with a higher M count though. And I know you were very excited in this scene as well. Because we got a little midichlorian shout out, a very subtle yes. one. Yeah. So um, the doctor actually says uh, that uh, the you know the blood contains a large uh, M count. Uh, I kind of wa- I was I was both excited and disappointed. I was like, come on, commit to it. You, you know, like the midichlorians. But you, there is the aspect of like, don't mention that word because people like you know would like hate it. Like you said as well, actually. Going back to the clone thing, I also do like the aspect of we had the hokey thing in Rise of Skywalker of being like, oh, I've always been there. Oh, Snoke was just another version of myself. But I kind of like this idea of because the clone bodies in the vats looked so much like Snoke, I kind of like the Snoke was just like one of these failed, deformed clones. And they were like, let's just go with it. You know, it's just like, I just like the fact that they probably were there for like 20 years trying to do it. And they were like, we keep getting Snoke. We want Palpatine. And they were, you know, it's like when a king keeps like having daughters and wants a son. They were like, you know what? Let's just go with him. You know, this is the last baby Yoda blood. We have to commit. 
<laughs> we need Snoke by this fiscal year. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff in that. And like you said, again, it was a good a good part for Mithril to show how useful he was. You know, he wasn't just a bumbling mm. idiot. He said, no, this is from three weeks ago. So he was showing his admin skills in, in that uh, respect. Yeah, and he also didn't try to betray them at some point. Yeah, I, I kind of had a worried feeling about that when Mando got to the base and he was like, there's more than you said there would be. I was like, oh, don't go down this yeah. line of like, well, <laughs> I've turned on you, Mando. Um, yeah, we would never forgive Carl Weathers if he did yeah. that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it and, you know, at this point then we saw go back into like the action. Mando goes to run back to Baby Yoda. He's like, if Moff Gideon's still alive, you know, Baby Yoda's not safe. I got to fly back. Yeah, and Cara Dune sort of says like, you know, use your jetpack we'll like find yeah. another way out here so yeah mando flies from the base to retrieve his ship uh Karga, dune and mithril steal a stormtrooper transport so that they can sort of like get out another way um and then we get like this big chase sequence um where Cara dune is you know driving this like stormtrooper tank transport um and they're being like hounded by speeder bikes um from like s- scout troopers yeah i just want to say like i love that for maybe a solid 10 minutes of the show, we didn't have Mando or Baby Yoda in it. It was confident enough to leave us with these other characters and be like, no, you're going to... It's like we're Baby Yoda being given to the babysitters. Like, no, you're going to have fun with them. Give Mando a break. He wants to take off his helmet. Yeah, again, it shows the strength of the team, isn't it, when you have that team done. And I think it makes... Again, that I, I said before, I was thinking about it, you know, we've had chapter one... Well, yeah, again, chapter nine. Um, that you know, you got the the Marshall mm. character. He was like our sort of human face to have. You know, the, the and chapter ten face. is yeah, it was a bit more difficult because in chapter ten, because we just had like a frog face and a you know a, a Mando helmet. Yeah. So, but you know, we still had a bit of, like Pelimoto, but but then in the, the next episode, there one worked more. You know, you had Bo Katan, and then here you had Grief Karga. Well, all of them, all three of them, so added that more charisma, and at least again with Mithril, you have some form of face. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, it felt good that they were able to have the courage to stay with them because they're an established group within this story. Yeah. Um. But but also, I think it makes it even more important now that you know it was last season that episode five was the one which was kind of like the the shaky one for me. So I think it is all resting on next week to see now, as long as they keep it like you have these anchors for the for the character because if it is just mando and baby yoda left on their own it's like hard to relate to characters yeah physically see i like with next week's episode i think just from who's directing it i think you guys talked about it a little bit last week is Mm. even if we don't like the episode i think it would move it's going to move the story along just by what's in it the sequence where they're escaping the bikes are after them all that I was getting some uh, Mad Max Fury Road vibes, which was nice. Not too much, but my favorite sequence of that movie is when the the war rig's being chased by the motorbike gang. And yeah, I, I was and tickled. Sort of like bouncing on the hills yeah. and stuff like that. And immediately yeah. the scout troopers screw up and crash <laughs> before they even get there. Yeah. Which is very funny. Do you know what that made me think of, though? And that's what, again, like impresses me about the show because that sequence really stood out because it kind of reminded me of like a movie, right? Mm. And I get this with a lot. Like I've said a lot of times, like the Marvel films some, sometimes come across as just like a roller coaster VR experience because there's so much like, you know, action. Martin Scorsese, is that you? Yeah. What are you doing on the Mandalorians? <laughs> In a good way. Yeah. You know? Like I do like, I do enjoy it. No, but like, 
So say, like with Peter Jackson, for example, he wanted the Hobbit films to be like that. He mm. kind of wanted them to be this like theme park like experience with like, you know, the high frame rate and the action. And I felt a bit of that here. You know, yeah. you kind of had like the front, you know, the way we were following that scout trooper from the front yeah. and we saw this explosion behind him. It kind of did make me want Galaxy's Edge to have a Mandalorian ride. Like you could have like, you know, chase through Navarro as like a ride and you're like, you're on the shaky, you know, transport and you're being chased by, by yeah. uh, scout troopers. Is it bad I don't want them to have that? Because I, I want them to have <laughs> less reasons for me to try and spend the money to go there. <laughs> You just want a Star Wars slice of life. I want everyone to be miserable, just like... <laughs> not just me. <laughs> you just want a slice of life ride where you could just like sit there, like and just enjoy some some wiring. <laughs> hey man, it's seriously a slight detour about uh, Batu or Galaxy's Edge. Is it? Yeah. It's that cantina. That's the thing I want most. I want mm. to drink in a Star Wars bar. You want to be opposite a uh, Doctor Man- Mandeville. I want to meet Doctor Mandeville. <laughs> Bring out yeah. Doctor Mandeville. Yeah. He's going to come back for the final episode. He's in the gang now. <laughs> but yeah, I was really impressed by, like I said, the, how how well this action sequence was. Again, especially for like a TV show and a TV budget. And and like you said, especially see like, tight, it was classic Star Wars, wasn't it? It's like, right, now we got the scout bikes. Now they're gone. All right, here come the, the TIE fighters. You know, it, it's, you know, Star Wars after Star Wars after Star Wars. Yeah, because I think it's what I mentioned on... Um... The spider episodes the last one i was on and it's what i was mm. feeling about the previous episode as well is i mm. was missing problem solving i really like mm. problem solving in star wars and people getting like caught in hard situations because mm. last episode was pretty much a mandalorian power fantasy and i get why they did it narratively but it wasn't as satisfying for me to watch and this week yeah, because they had a much more human gang going through it is even when they when they overcome those odds i'm more like yes and when they get through this and Mithril's even celebrating, I was like, hell yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, like you said last week, even when they did kind of come across some sort of barrier, it didn't really, like, hurt them in the long run overall. They didn't have, like, because they were, like, such great warriors. And like they said, they were like, oh, they're Mandalorians, you know. They made the Empire the underdogs, which is, it's a mistake. You can't do it. Because even if they're a bit incompetent, mm. they need to have the numbers. That's how mm. Star Wars, it's a really weird balance. I think about this a lot. Yeah, because I'm it's like a, the force. Yeah, it needs to be balanced. Yeah, <laughs> it needs to be uh, more bad guys, but better good guys. Yeah, <laughs> is that what Anakin did? Is that how he brought balance to the force? No, he just killed some children, man. <laughs> People try to cancel Baby Yoda. No one tried to cancel Anakin. <laughs> As this all like getting hounded by these Tie Fighters, thankfully, uh, Mando comes in with the Razor Crest, which is the big moment. Uh, and is he, you know, he has this dog fight in the sky with, uh, with the Tie Fighters. Uh, also joined by Baby Yoda, mm-hmm. you know, with his seatbelt on. He's kind of like the little child enjoying the roller coaster. He's got his hands up. He's got his little snacks in his hand. And uh, yeah, as uh, as Mando is uh, blasting out some some uh, Tie Fighters through the air. Can I can I can I quickly quiz you? How did how did Mando win that fight against a Tie Fighter? Well, are we talking like aerial, <laughs> like technique. Uh, or, um. Yeah, I don't know. He just did kind of spin and yeah, spinning. And, yeah, it's a good yeah. trick. <laughs> yeah, I think something uh, something that's going to be the biggest influence from this episode is that Baby Yoda vomiting will be one of the most used gifts in the coming months. Mm. Yeah, I'm very excited and, to see. And Mando sort of 
using the bib on him. That was a great yeah. moment. We've we've talked so much about how he's gradually becoming like this father figure more mm. and more. And that was just pure like dad, you know, baby's been sick in the car seat kind of moment. Yeah. And like especially the fact that grief is there, tried to talk to him and he's like, Um, I've got a situation here and he's like trying like as if like Mando did care as well. It's like, why does it matter? <laughs> but the fact that he was like, I can't I can't let this be here. I can't let him have it down him. <laughs> Something I noticed, this isn't to do with this episode, but in general, I think a big reason Baby Yoda's become so beloved as well is we've never seen him cry. Because that's the thing yeah. that makes people annoyed about babies. Usually, they don't want to say they're annoyed by babies, but baby cry, yeah. babies crying is really annoying. And the fact yeah, Baby Yoda doesn't do it, people are like, "Damn, that's a cool baby." That's true, because usually it's affiliated with poop, yeah, sick, <laughs> sick, and crying. And we haven't, you know, we've only had the sick now. So, and it was like it was very know, justified. Yeah. So yeah, I think they do a good job again. I don't know if it was Carl Weathers, but the timing of it made it work for me. Like yeah. I was like, they could have made it could have been a bit like, oh, that's a bit stupid, but they they managed to pull it off. I was impressed. Like a puppet spewing liquid is just funny, you know. It's just one of those <laughs> things that triggers a part of my brain. Yeah, again, I think if they had done it in CGI, it would have come across as yeah. like too much, isn't it? Yeah. Um. So, I also like as well, you know, is the Western vibe. He said, "Hang on." Uh, Hang on, kid. You know, like, yeah. that, that was kind of like, you know, this classic sort of, like, Western vibe. Not too bad, huh, kid? And, yeah, and the fact that, you know, he, he comes to Navarro and then, like, he, he doesn't even, like, land down to say goodbye. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go straight away now, which, you know, is, is interesting. So, you know, he says, you know, the ship has been repaired, which is why he's been able to do this, like, aerial fight. Uh, he says to, to Grief Karga that, you know, he's like, what do I owe you? And he's like, just take the, you know, repair as, as the, the cost of me helping you. Um, and then Mando, as we, you know, expect, is, you know, heading to Corvus to to track down Ahsoka Tano. You know, so now that he's got his ship all uh, repaired, etc. And, yeah, it's also at that moment that we go back down to the planet and we see uh, that, uh, yeah, as if, yeah, as, uh, at the before we sort of get like the very final moment uh we we get another visit from the new republic pilot who's investigating the incident he uh is asking about like the razor crest and we get uh, carl weathers you know again han solo vibes like legs on on the desk like i didn't say anything about a razor crest and you know he he details what happens and uh, then that same captain sort of like speaks to cara dune and then we get a bit of Again, about a nice character world building moment, talking about like you know why she doesn't join the New Republic, etc., which I think is interesting. I do wish, like, I like all this stuff, but I, I do wish it wasn't the same X-wing pilot from Episode Two. Because it... I know if they if they had thrown in Dave Filoni, I would have been like, oh no, yeah, you, the, how many times can you do this? Because <laughs> his ship was there, and I was worried. But I mm. I just don't want to have the two of them as like the Keystone cops. It's like, oh, we're always a step behind Mando. Yeah, you that's know? true. I do like the detail, the idea that they, they're they kind of the cops in that area, so they deal with yeah. a lot of the stuff. That's fun. Carl Weathers has a line, though, where he says, I'll send oh. you a gram. I, I wrote this down as well. I was well, like, yeah. oh, the millennial falcon, are we? <laughs> <laughs> I did, like, again, it was like the... Um, 
the 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 M count though, wasn't it? Yeah. Again, like Star Wars slang, it, it did make me laugh in that sense. And we got the return of like the little ferret thing. Yes. She was like feeding him on the floor, so that that was nice to see him again. Do, do you um, know what was it that the X-wing pilot gave to Kara? Was that a medal? I was thinking that. To me, I think it was kind of like. Was it a sheriff's badge for the New Republic? I was very maybe, yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't know if it was a kind of like um, I'm trying to think of an example. You know, you know when somebody like in films and stuff, they're like, oh, you should join the Air Force or something. Yeah. They kind of give them something to kind of be like, I hope this kind of inspire. You know, so like they give them a badge to kind of like, yeah, be like, oh, this will be a reminder for you to hopefully join the New Republic. So. It might just be like their calling card kind of thing, yeah. like instead of like a, you know a cardboard little plasticky card. Maybe it is just like their business card. I don't know. Or like you said, it could be an actual medal that he's leaving her because he respects her. I was wondering as well. Was it possibly one of those little hologram stands? It's like, oh, yeah. if we've got something, we'll call you. Exactly. Yeah. That you know. So yeah, I thought there was a few potentials with that one. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I, I think that that. That was quite good. And again, it's, it's why I felt that this episode was a bit more centered on her. The fact that it started and ended with her. And she had some good lines and moments throughout the entire episode. Um, so, and I I did, it, I think it was hard not to predict this line, wasn't it? When he said about like Alderaan. Because it was weird. I was actually talking to Jake about this the other day. I was saying, I've never quite bought her as somebody from Alderaan. It always felt as they were like, oh, let's just have it from Alderaan. That would be like a good reference. But I was like, I don't know, maybe it's just because we've only ever seen about like three or four people from Alderaan, but she seemed a bit too much of a warrior type person for what we think Alderaan is like. See, I think that works, though, because it's probably what mm. happened to Alderaan is what shaped her. So I, yeah. I think it's a clever bit of world building, or not world building, but like character explanation <laughs> with just a word, which is something the yeah. series can do because so many of it, its concepts or names are so famous. Yeah. And the fact that, like, he says here, you know, like, did you lose anybody? And, like, am I just I just vocally <laughs> went, every everyone. Yeah. And then she did pretty much say that. She was just like, I lost everyone. He ha- he says he served during Alderaan. I was like, yeah. that took, like, a second. That might blow up in a second. What do you mean? I, know. Like... I didn't know if he just meant, like, he served at the time he was there. Is that a saying? Or like, he had, like, a you know summer they... job. He was a waiter there. Like, what are you on I about? Was think... <laughs> you know how uh, Star Wars timeline is, like, was it BBY? Yeah, is it yeah. before Yavin? Is it like maybe their way of saying that? Like, <laughs> like when Alderaan was around, like if you served in the Clone Wars, I served during Alderaan. Yeah. And then once it blew up, then you were like, I, I, I served post Alderaan. <laughs> like that's the entire galaxy works like that. You know, they just show up at the Coruscant. It's just like, oh, I was here uh, in the days of Alderaan. They're like, Alderaan, where's that? It's like, oh, it's just this planet that blew up about 30 years ago. Like, was, he, was he trying to claim he was a first responder? Like, <laughs> yeah i thought that was interesting but um because <laughs> yeah it would be like you couldn't have like been a troop there because you would have died you know it's like <laughs> there was no there was no sort of like a battle after it yeah. because you know like for alderaan it's like it's gone <laughs> i lost everyone i'm sorry for your loss um and then we actually go to you know the sinister alien has uh place something onto Mando's ship um, which is like a tracking beacon and uh, we get an Imperial officer who you know receives this transmission that you know he confirms you know what he's done um, and that there's a tracking beacon on the Razor Crest 
Um, and then we get this female Imperial officer who then g- approaches Moff Gideon, uh, who's in some sort of like wall prep like room where they're like getting like a lot of artillery and stuff prepared. Um, and, you know, he's, he basically says about how they will be ready and, you know, they're essentially going after Baby Yoda, etc. What, what what did you think of this entire, like, again, it goes back to, like, after, I think it was, again, chapter 10. I was like, we need Moff Gideon. Bring Moff yeah. Gideon in. And I had Moff Gideon in the last episode. So I was like, yes. And it would have been a shame, I think, to have lost him already again here. So it was good that we had him again, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. This whole scene is so evil. There's so much evil stuff going on. And yeah. I think Moff Gideon is preparing like a new type of droid. It was looking like I was trying to, I was pausing a lot again. Mm. And I think there is like some kind of new trooper droid he's preparing, which could be very interesting to see because he had so many of them. It's such a great shot. I think more than anything in that scene, like cool robots, Moff Gideon, the thing that excites me most is just a confirmation that these plot line, these all these plot lines are about to converge. Because there's so many connections. Mando's going to Ahsoka. He's tracking her. Ahsoka knows Bo-Katan. You know, it, it seems like it's... I think these next four episodes, I don't think they have room for filler. Because there's too much. And especially the fact that we haven't seen anything now. We pretty much have filled up the trailer, haven't we? I don't think there's anything that is going to be... You know, it's all going to be new footage yeah, yeah. from this this point onwards, which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, And I said last time that I was really excited for the names of the star, you know, like the you know, the planet of Corvus and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It sounded really sci-fi, sounded really fun. And you could almost have, again, I don't know where it specifically reminds me of, but you know, that trope you have in sci-fi and Westerns where like the hero brings the evil to the location yeah. kind of thing. So you could have like maybe a soak on this really peaceful planet. And then, you know, Moff Gideon shows up like, Oh no, you know, he's brought like all this like death and destruction to this peaceful place or something like that. Yeah. Um, it, that, that could be the way it goes down. And this is, um, um this is the first time we're seeing Ahsoka since Star Wars rebels wrapped as like, mm. and that, that show I won't spoil for anyone who hasn't seen it. Well, I guess I kind of just did, but I don't, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to be mean. I don't care. Because we have to. Because it's, you know, it's a timeline. Yeah. But, um, yeah, sh- her story in that is so bizarre and interesting that mm. I'm, I'm wondering how these things are going to line up. Like, who is she now? We haven't seen her in so long. Yeah, I was thinking that because, yeah, again, sorry if you haven't seen Rebels. But because at the end of that, it kind of pretty much shows you just, just after Return of the Jedi, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they don't do it like a 10 years after it or anything. It's pretty much as soon as I think it's just after, yeah. And she yeah. she looks like Gandalf the Grey without the beard. It, like, <laughs> she looks awesome like that. I'm so excited for it. Yeah, so that's where yeah, I'm like you. I'm very intrigued as to what she'll be like. And I think, um, yeah, there's that idea of if the episode is called The Sorceress as opposed to The Jedi, which are the two speculated names, yeah. it makes sense because I think Jake pointed out the other day, it'll be funny that... Mando has been instructed to find the Jedi, and then Bo-Katan's like, I know a Jedi, Ahsoka Tano. You know, imagine the embarrassment when he rocks up, he's like, are you a Jedi? She's like, uh, no, I left the Jedi, and he's like, oh, God's sake. You know? uh, I'm no longer a practicing Jedi. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but I can't point you in the direction of a guy who's trying to start up the Jedi, you know, if they do that, then it'll be like, oh my God, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, because um, I think I said in our pilot, is like, I made a stupid speculation that Sebastian Stan will show up at some point as Luke Skywalker. Oh, yeah. 
And, you know, it's one of those things I didn't speculate because I specifically want it. It's just I could see it happening because he's in the Disney Plus family or he's going to soon be. But, you know, with the way this episode was handled and with how excited I am for the next one, I do trust him because this episode kind of has implicitly linked it to, quote unquote, the Skywalker saga quite directly. Mm. And if they just do a good job, I don't mind. Yeah. So lastly, Niall, like your your overall thoughts of the episode. Yeah. Overall thoughts, this is, oh, I like this episode has me really pumped. It's I, it's like either my favorite or second favorite episode. I will, I will commit in the future to that because I've only seen it today and twice. Very <laughs> yeah. delightedly so, I have to say. I, I think I only had like two ridiculous nitpicks throughout mm. this, which is, which is kind of rare for me. So mm. yeah, I just had a terrific time watching some Star Wars. Yeah, like I said, same for me, like. Like you, I really love the throwbacks, the like the little details they're adding in there, like stuff like, you know, send you a gram and, uh, you know, the M count. Uh, but also I love the action. I thought it was really like engaging, really cool and exciting for where it's going to go from here. Because I think a lot of us have speculated that there is going to be some sort of big battle mm. at the end of this season, isn't it? And it's and it's what each each chapter is going to be going forward, which will be really interesting. Can I throw in one of my dumb bits of speculation that I love to do? Uh, sure. This is, this is a very brief one. I think in the final episode, Mando and Moff Gideon are going to have a fight and his helmet is going to get destroyed by the Darksaber. Ooh. I see something very yeah. cinematic because, you know, they built up like, uh, you know, he meets the other Mandos who have a different view on the whole helmet thing. And he's so attached to it. I think it'd be such a great villain moment to destroy it. I'm also a big pro wrestling fan and it strikes me as a wrestling thing. <laughs> so that's my dumb speculation. Is he just going to do like a samurai move, like cut it and it just like slices open and opens his face there? And then... No, he's going to unmask him like in wrestling. He's going <laughs> to say something cool and evil and then destroy it. And Mando <laughs> yeah. might scream. That's it. That's, that's my whole scene. You've heard our opinions on the episode, but we also have a written review going up very soon or even today. So Dave, who's uh, who's handling that? So this episode will be written by uh, another one of our talented writers, which is Ali Emmanuel Trinker. Um, so this will be like a again first time uh, reviewing you know The Mandalorian. Can't wait to see her thoughts. Go check it out, guys. We can you know go into the details of you know what worked on a a more analytical basis rather than uh, my <laughs> me and Niall just talking about space ferrets. <laughs> 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 you know how much we enjoyed the the nuances of <laughs> of different uh, Star Wars lore, but I'm um, I'm sure, like I said, Ali will break this down in a very effective way. She'll put us in our place. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Go check it out, Dave. Where can we find you? Yeah, you can catch me at David Osger over on Twitter. You can, of course, catch me at FreshTakeHub.com, which is where you can catch Ali's review, as well as this podcast, which is FreshTakeHub.com/slash The Mandalorians. And uh, yeah, you can catch me there, chatting all things film, uh, reviewing different like Christmas films as Niall did uh, as well, uh, which I'll let him again talk a bit more about because uh, he had so much fun doing it. Uh, and you can also catch me on uh, Letterbox, which is also uh, David Osger. So go check me out there. Yeah, you can also find me on Fresh Take. As Dave said, I've reviewed the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special. So I've gotten some Star Wars I've loved and really didn't in the same week. It's kind of Star Wars in a <laughs> nutshell for me. So much I love, so much that drives me crazy. 
And yeah, you can find me on Fresh Take. <laughs> you can find me on the Irish game website, Game Air, E-I-R, where soon I'm going to be reviewing some PS5 games, which I'm really excited about because I didn't think I'd get to play a PS5 for a long time. But things have worked out nicely. And if you want to hear some of my other terrible Star Wars jokes that don't make the grade here because they're that bad, you can find me on Twitter, at Glynn, like Jabba the Hutt. And I'm also on Letterboxd, at Glynn, because for some reason I think that's a good Star Wars joke. <laughs> also, we do need to give a shout out to our fellow co-host, Jake, because he celebrated his birthday now, see, this is Monday, Lauren, so we're here on a Monday. So uh, the past Saturday, which is the 21st, was uh, Jake's birthday. I don't know if there's a Star Wars equivalent for birthdays. I know it's your day? life day for Christmas. <laughs> Beginning of your life <laughs> yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. So uh, happy birthday, Jake, from us. Uh, we, we know you had lots of uh, Star Wars goodness involved, including maybe a helmet. So... Don't show it to Niall. You might like cut it up with a. Just, just to clarify, we all wear our helmets at all times during the recording of the show. The Monday Lawrence is recorded in front of a live studio audience, so they see us wearing our helmets. <laughs> it's part of our lore in my head. It's a lift and sip if we need to take a glass of water. Yeah, we're just holding it up in front of the microphone for like two hours. It's really <laughs> inconvenient. But it's yeah. our religion. And that's as Monday Lawrence always say this. Is the way. This is the way. This is the way. <laughs>